0: Everybody, on today's episode of the Successful Mind Podcast, David and I are talking about how hope is not a strategy, and how that ties into entrepreneurial maturity. Give it a listen. You're listening
1: to the Successful Mind Podcast. Successful people learn how to make their minds work for them.
0: We are Life Is Now, and this is the Successful Mind Podcast. Today we're going to talk about two combined things. We're going to talk about hope and how hope is not a strategy. And we're going to talk about entrepreneurial immaturity, okay. which is a, a a term that you don't hear a lot, right? Like you think, hardly you, ever <laughs> you kind of think like I'm a mature person. I'm forty years old or I'm thirty years old, or I'm twenty five years old. I have a level of maturity.,
2: yeah.
0: but you don't think about being entrepreneurial entrepreneurially mature. Um, you know, there are a lot of businesses out there, especially when you're just starting out that you get an idea for something and you get really excited, right? Like you have that initial, like, Ooh, I'm, I'm really excited. And you think to yourself, I hope this works. Right. Which that's all fine and good. Hope is a great thing. And I'm sure you can talk to the importance of hope without hope. You, you, you basically lose, well, everything, everything, lose your will without hope. Right. So there are, there are positive things um, about hope for sure. But I see hope used really dysfunctionally in businesses where, like I said before, a business owner will get an idea. They'll get really, really excited about it. They'll like, think, this is it. This is going to you know, be my six-figure launch, or this is going to be my big thing that's going to bring in a bunch of clients. And, and they, they, they are really focused on that one thing. And they say things like, I hope this works. Right, or I hope it, I hope the results are what what I want them. Instead of asking the question, "What else can be done to ensure the success of this?" Right, they go to, "Oh, I hope this works." Right, which is a missed opportunity. So, if you ever catch yourself saying, "I hope this works," and trust me, I'm a recovering hope addict. Right, like totally recovering yeah, yeah. hope addict. Yep. Right. Yeah. Me you, too, you, in you, some ways. Yeah, you hear yourself say, "Oh, I hope this works out," or "I hope this does what we want it to do." You need to stop yourself right there and say what else could what else could be done to ensure the success of this campaign this launch this this thing that i'm doing right but then what happens is they they get really emotionally attached to this one thing right and then let's say that one thing doesn't go the way plan- the way they planned so example you've got a business that's launching a new product or a new service to a clientele and they put it out by email and Facebook or whatever and it's crickets, right? Nobody's nobody's biting on it. Mm. And then the immature entrepreneur takes that information and goes to all or nothing thinking. Oh, this isn't my ideal client actually. Or oh, they're not they're no one's gonna buy from me. Right. They go to this like fatalistic place and they throw the baby out with the bathwater. Like I love that. I love that visualization because it's like they just take Everything good that they just put together and because they got that negative result and because it's triggered them emotionally, right? They take, they take that emotionally as rejection. Yep. They throw the whole thing out the, out the window, right? And we've heard this many times from clients that work with us. They launch something and they don't get the results and immediately they're like, well, maybe I need to change my target market or maybe I need to change my message, or maybe I need to redesign my website, right? But they're not focusing on the thing that they just created that just needs to be tweaked, that just needs more information, that just needs to be changed here and there. And they get impatient and they want to jump into the next thing. Especially if you're an entrepreneur, that's kind of the quick start in the the Colby assessment, right? Where it's like you get really excited about new things, but then you're always just excited about new things. You don't follow it think, all the way through.
1: I also think that it, it also has a lot to do with what is the reason they're in business in the first place? Ooh. You know, very often a person will start a business because they're passionate about an idea or a message, a product, a result that they can get for somebody, and it quickly turns into I need to make money, right? The
0: Yeah, well, that's true, yes.
1: You know, so th- the, the intention behind why they're doing something, I feel... Also lends to that immaturity because they have an immature intention to begin with. I mean, everything that we I mean, all the great books about uh, business and success, they all include a chapter about persistence. and they all include a chapter about um patience, you know to some degree. But they don't want to read those chapters. They don't want to think about those chapters. They just want the result now. They love the you could earn more with less idea but they don't ever consider them consider the idea that they may not be there yet in their maturity to earn more with less yes that's a real thing you can earn a lot of money with doing very little from what it from what looks like on the outside but you got to grow into the place where you actually have the ability to do that right 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 so then they get very frustrated
0: well, they get very frustrated they get emotionally triggered. So they go into this low that they've got to dig themselves out of until the next new thing comes and they miss so much opportunity, right? The mature business owner will sit with it and be like, hmm, that wasn't the result. I wonder why. I wonder if we changed this or I wonder, or they'll do a, they'll do a focus group or they'll survey the, their, their database and Mm -hmm. see like, where did we miss the mark? Or we've done this before, got on the phone and called people and said, Hey, we thought this was a really great thing. Why, like, why didn't it appeal to you? And we've gotten some fantastic feedback that way. Right. 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 I mean, absolutely. But the immature entrepreneur will just move on to the next thing. They'll take it as rejection and move on to the next thing. And I've got, I've got a fantastic, like parallel story that illustrates this. And and I think will make a lot of sense for a lot of people. Okay. So, you mind if I tell this no, story? No, go right ahead. So, we're a fishing family. Like, I grew up fishing. Um, both of my kids love fishing. My dad fishes every single day. To this day, he's, I think, 73, 74. And he, he's on the pier on Tybee Island, outside of Savannah, fishing every single day, and I grew up on on the waters of Wisconsin, so I love fishing, and I know you do too. It's yeah. Something we have in common, right? Yeah. But both of my girls were raised fishing as well, and you know how important Montana is to us, and we go to Montana every single summer, since where Brandon's from, and we re- reconnect with family, and I just love to reconnect with nature yeah. and the outdoors.
1: That's a place to reconnect with nature, yes, for sure.
0: And we would go and stay um, in a in a little like cottage on a lake that would have a pier. One summer, and I think this is my oldest now, who's 21. I believe she was probably 10 or 11. So she was like fifth grade, fourth or fifth grade. And she, this was the first time we we really stayed out there. And she decided that she wanted to catch fish. So we had a fishing pole. And there were some lures tied to the the fishing pole that were kind of in the garage by the house. And she was like, "I'm going to catch a fish," and I'm looking at it thinking, "There's no way in hell she's going to catch a fish, right?" She doesn't she doesn't have any idea how she doesn't have any idea how to catch trout, right? Yeah. We didn't have trout where we lived before. And so she goes and stands on that dock, and she casts that reel hundreds of times. I mean, she must have stood on the dock I don't know three three and a half hours, four hours, and. Brandon and I are just kind of sitting there watching her, you know, like this is her experience. She, you know, reels it in, goes up to the house and we're like, where did did Bailey go? Like what happened to Bailey? She went inside and began watching YouTube videos. So she's going to watch YouTube videos about trout. She wants to know everything about trout. She can. She can learn.
1: Was so? Did she do this on her own accord, or did she you did guys suggest that she do this? Completely
0: on her own accord. Okay. On her own accord. Yes, Brandon. This yeah, was that's like,
2: correct. Yeah, she just she saw the polls and she said, "I'm going to go do this." Nobody taught her anything. Nobody showed her anything. Yeah. It's like, Let's, "I'm going to do this. I'll figure it out." Right. She's always been that way. Even yeah. when she learned how to ride a bike, no. she's stubborn like that. Yes. <laughs> wonder <where she> <laughs> that or, up, yeah, I wonder where she gets
0: that. Yeah. I wonder
1: where she gets that. Who knows?
0: Um. But <laughs> at that point, she could have said, "Forget it. There's no trout in the lake." Right, like at that point, she could have given up. She'd been fishing for three and a half hours. She didn't ca- catch anything. She could have said, "Forget it. They're not going to ever bite. They're not going to ever fish." You know, I'm not a good fish. I'm not a good fisher person. Or there's no trout in the lake, right? right? But she right. didn't. She's like, "I'm going to figure this out." So she goes in and starts watching YouTube videos, hours of YouTube videos <laughs> about the different kinds of trout and where they live and where they liked what they like to eat and the different seasons because trout are finicky, right? Like. Yeah. They they feed on whatever is hatching at the time, generally, and there's certain lures that work at certain times of the year.
1: It's called match the hatch.
0: It's called, yes, thank you, You're match okay. the hatch. Yeah. Well, she <laughs> didn't know that, and I didn't know that. I'd never f- fished for trout before. Um, so she's learning. So then she goes back out, and she tries a couple of different things, like a couple different areas, different casts, you know, that type of thing. Yep. Still nothing, right? So she's like, what? what is going on? So the next thing I know, she comes up to she comes up to me, me and Brandon, and she's like, Mom, I need you to take me into town. Why do you need to go into town, Baze? I need to go to Hardware Hank. Why do you need to go to Hardware Hank, Baze? I need to get some different fishing lures. I don't have the right fishing lures and I need to talk to the I need to talk to the guy at the at the hardware store.
1: Because so we take
0: her so we take her into town. And she goes into Hardware Hank, which is like you know the local True Value or Ace Hardware or whatever, right? Like I mean, this is like small town Montana, like twenty years ago, twenty no, twelve years ago. Um, And she gets into a conversation with the guy at Hardware Hank about what are what are people using right now to fish for trout? What are like what lures are they selling? Smart question, right? And we're just all like, we're watching
1: that's, this. That is, right? I mean, that is something right there to go, to know, to go there and to ask, right? Like and to ask I, for help.
0: I have a hunch that she may have gotten that suggestion from YouTube. So that's just a hunch. Like yeah. I want to give her the benefit of the doubt, but I, I have a feeling someone said, if you're really wanting to know what's, you know, go to the local bait shop and ask them what, yeah, what for, people right, are. Right. For sure. Local so, knowledge. She's in in hardware Hang. She's asking him. And he he gives her, he tells her three different types of lures. So we we get those three different types of lures and we come home and we, you know, set her up. She goes back out there. And the first first lure she tries, nothing for like another and this this is over days. So this this whole story takes place over, over a week, right? Next day she goes out, tries the other lure, right? We're on lure number two, nothing nothing you know and we're just like and this kid d- does not did not have a lot of patience like she really like you would tell her to be patient and she would just like it was like the worst thing you could say to her was be patient bailey right yeah. so on the final day she's got the last lure and i'm th- i'm not shitting you this is exactly how it happened the last lure she goes out there and she catches a damn trout and it's big i have a picture of her like holding up this I have to see if I can dig it out holding up this trout with this look on her face of like pure ecstasy like yes I caught this fish and I I think back about this story because I think it parallels the entrepreneurial journey so well right like there are so many strategies that you try as a business owner in terms of marketing that don't work but instead of saying well What questions do I need to ask to figure out why this didn't work? What information do I need to understand to figure out how to make it work? That's what a mature entrepreneur would be asking, right? right. And a lot of entrepreneurs don't ask those questions. They just make assumptions. There's no fish in the lake or I'm a bad fisherman, right? They take it personally. I'm not good at that or um, I'm not meant to be doing that or I need to go in a different direction rather than staying with it and Asking a different question and then looking for additional information or leveraging someone else's information to, to make sure that their strategy is successful now there are times where the strategy needs to be scrapped right but you only get to that point once you once you've tied once you've tried and tested. I love the parallels in that story because it just it Like she, she just, she knew she was going to catch that fish and nothing was going to stop her.
1: That's a great story. And it
0: brings up the relentlessness that you, you mentioned. Well, and you know, you're a big proponent of relentless, the book in and of itself, which parallels that as well, right? Like you don't stop, you see in your mind what you want, and then you go after that thing. And no matter what the results are, it doesn't stop you. It actually just gives you more information to direct where it is that you're going to go.
1: Yeah. I think that there's a, I think that there's a little subtlety that uh, gets past people, but it can also be, it can be devastating in the result of the ultimate goal as to whether the person actually builds the business that they want. And I've seen this over the years and, and basically what it is, is the, is in their mind, are they think, where are they associating the problem? Is the problem in the thing that I'm that I'm doing? There's something wrong with my strategy? Or is the problem me? Once a person starts to internalize that the problem is themselves, you start to run into an issue where if, if it's not okay for them to be wrong about something, they will shift into some external blame so that It's nothing that they don't have, there's nothing I can do about it, right? It's not me. There's nothing, anything wrong with me. I've literally watched people lose businesses. Sometimes business, I know somebody personally who lost a couple of different businesses because they could not look at what they were doing because in their mind, it made them like a bad person or um it you know th- they internalized it as that they weren't enough something was actually wrong with them on a fundamental level to be able to do it so they blamed an external thing and then went on with their life with something else but they completely lost their dream over it and it had nothing to do with them as an individual they were smart they were dedicated they i mean they had all everything that you need to do it except for when they couldn't figure out a problem, they internalize it as if there was something wrong with them instead of something wrong with the way that they were approaching it or, or the strategy that they were using.
0: Yeah, you take our clients through this amazing activity. You call it the separation the separation activity. I think you took our artist success summit people or we took our artist success yeah, summit we, people through it where you have them you you've got three different pieces of paper, right? And on one paper they write their name and on another pre- paper, they write the problem. And on the third paper they
1: they write what they're calling the problem, what
0: they're calling the problem, right? so right.
1: how they define the problem,
0: right, and it what it happens is when you see it when you see it outside of yourself, you get a different perspective of what's actually going on, right, because most people will identify with the problem, like you said, like they'll they'll attach to the problem, and when you're attached to the problem as if the problem's you, you can't see outside of it. Is that what you're saying? That's
1: exactly correct you can't see the difference between you and the problem and then then there's the whole idea so this problem is the 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 way that i the way that i perceive this problem has everything to do about the story that i'm telling this problem i'm telling a story about this problem that i'm having so if it's It's only as hard as I tell the story. It's only as easy as I tell the story. It's only as complicated as I tell the story. Whatever story I give to this problem, that becomes my reality. And I can't tell the difference between my reality and what the problem actually is. So I tried this idea, let's separate these things Mm -hmm. into three different categories. The problem, the story that you're giving the problem, and yourself. And I think that the visual part about it works really well because you have to break it apart in your mind to see it right yes. if you see it in three pieces in your mind you're starting to separate it and it's when you i think anyway and I've, when I've we've done this with clients if you can get them to psychologically separate themselves from the problem and just see the problem as it is not what they think that it is they can have a revelation about that problem and solve it in a much different way than if they incorporate any part of their being into this problem but human beings do this with everything it's a It's a fascinating thing. To this day, it still fascinates the hell out of me. Human beings got to this planet, however we got to this planet, and we were never given a book about what everything means. But we have a meaning for everything. And the meaning for everything came from the association that we had with those things. And as we began to learn to think, and we began to understand language, and we created vocabulary and words with definitions and etymologies of those words, we then started to associate those ideas that we created with those things because those are the experiences that we had. Then those things, then those meanings get passed down from one generation to another, not necessarily with the subsequent generation actually asking, is, can this mean something different, right? Do I have to give it this meaning or could this actually mean something different? So a lot of it has, a, um, a you know, like a, a, a generational approach to seeing life in their mind, You like did mom and dad see. So One of the things about Bailey, about your daughter, as you tell the story, is I'm wondering, was that just naturally her, or was that also encouraged? Not that you encouraged the fish thing, but the way that you encouraged her to see life, even from a very young age. Now, I know that that's true about you a hundred percent because I've known you for a long time and I know how you seem to approach things even before you were doing the business stuff. So the when a when a person actually gets to the place where they want to overcome this problem, if they can separate their whatever the meaning is in their mind and just be like, okay, that's just my meaning. I'm just going to put that to the side. Maybe this means something else. Let me put it out in front of me and look at it without me attaching anything to it and see if i can actually become aware of something else with this problem they'll have the most amazing breakthrough
0: so let's get let's kind of dial this into the nitty gritty so people listening have an idea like can, they can they can conceptualize this right yeah so let's say i mean we could we could do a role play i could be i could be one of our ideal clients right where i've got this problem that just will not go away right and 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 the problem is I can't seem to, I can't seem to hire the right people. So every time I hire, they end up being the wrong people or they just leave. Right. Right. So that's a problem that I'm just like ruminating on and ruminating on and ruminating on. Like, why can't I find the right people for my team? Why can't I keep, keep the good ones on my team? I have this like big problem with retention. right? Right. So if I were to do this on a sheet of paper and I'm having a team issue, the problem is team. On one piece of paper, I'd write my name on the other piece of paper i'd write you know team problems or you know hiring the wrong people and then on the on what it means to me what would i write
1: so yeah, so the, the the actual problem itself would be i would ask you to be more specific is it the wrong person is it that people leave what is the actual problem that you experience i i
0: am consistently and this is not true cuz i love my team i'm role playing here <laughs> i am consistently hiring underperforming people that look good on resumes but then they get in into the into the business and they're 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 underperforming like i need to i have to replace them
1: okay so you have, an under, you have underperforming people. That's what I would have you write as the actual problem itself. And then I would ask you to look at that problem, and I would say, when you look at this problem, what does that mean to you, that you have underperforming people? And then write that down on a separate card.
0: So would what I, what I write down, um, there's a job crisis? Like, there's a hiring crisis, there aren't any good people out there? If that's
1: what it means to you.
0: Okay, or I could write, I'm really terrible at hiring Cause I, like I'm a terrible interviewer. Well,
1: so let let's let's play this out. Okay. What are all the different things that we hear from people in that situation, as how they see the problem?
0: Yeah. So two of those things. So I'm not good at this. Right. Um. There's nobody. There aren't any. There isn't anyone that I could hire. I can't afford to hire top of top of market. Um. I mean, the excuses are, are those big three. Like, I'm not good at this. Like, I'm not good at this. I like, I suck at this. I'm a terrible interviewer. I, I, you know, I consistently bring on the wrong person. There's a hiring crisis and I can't find good people and I can't afford to pay the really top end, like a really high,
1: high performer. Right. So if I, so if I was sitting across from somebody that had exactly what you had, I would say, let me ask you, let me ask you a question. Is it not true that people that, are, that can adequately do the job that you need to hire them for, do they actually exist out in the world? And if a person said, I don't know, I would say, well, are other companies finding right. those people? Yes. Right. Yes. I want to get them to see what the truth is. Yes. Okay. And to de- kind of detach yep. from themselves. So this story that you're telling yourself is your belief about these people. And the problem is only reinforcing the belief. So when you go to hire people, you're taking this belief about what you think the world has for you, and you're actually looking. That's what you actually see when you go to hire people. That is how you recognize them through the story that you tell. So you're actually hiring the people that you believe are are for you or out there for you.
0: Man, that's a mind, like that, I feel like I need a moment of silence for that one, right? Like... Because of your belief, you're actually creating what it is that you're experiencing let's just take
1: one of the things that you said okay. i can't afford okay. i can't afford afford to hire the top talent that I need yes, right so if that's my belief, when I actually put an ad out or I start to go to to interview somebody to hire them, I am going to ignore anybody that that literally is better and wants more money and I'm going to look for somebody that's less adequate and cheaper in order for this to be the position. But then I've got some kind of internal expectation that says that they should perform the same way a top-tier employee would and now I've got this problem all over again. But I don't realize I'm the one that's creating the problem by the meaning that I'm giving the problem. That meaning is my belief system and it's how I approach this very specific problem so until i change my meaning about this problem i'm not going to change the problem the idea is that it shows you how you you, when you detach from it you get to see how you're actually creating and making the problem exactly what the problem is right (laughs) Yes. and when you can see that now you may have to you may have to struggle with i mean because here's the reality in that person's mind they don't think that they can afford that person right But that's just an undereducated issue because these people pay for themselves. They just don't, don't understand that because they're dealing with the facts of what's coming in and what has to go out every day. So when you help educate a person, right, that here's why you can and here's how you can afford to hire someone like that, your belief changes and you now see the problem different, right? So if a person is willing to go through and reconcile those discrepancies that they have they can change that belief and they can eradicate the problem and they can do it just like that, that and, fast.
0: And the crazy thing is, it's not crazy. The really cool thing about this is, is that we've seen this happen so many times. Over and over. We've got a private client who was who was on a call with a Zoom, uh, with both of us uh, several weeks ago. Actually, it was more like a couple months ago now. And she was talking about how she could not, like, she she couldn't afford to hire a, a um uh, this person to run right. her company. Um, and the people that she was hiring to run her company were doing a terrible job. So she kept having to fire them, right? And we had a com- this exact conversation with her or a conversation similar with her and really got her to focus on only what she wanted, right? I, yeah. I want the best and I'm willing to pay the best. Within two weeks, she had an interview with One of the most highly qualified, like she didn't think this person even existed, Yeah, right? Like highly qualified um, operators, interviewed wonderfully, passed all the hungry, humble, smart questions that we run everyone through and became a member of her team. And it is doing the work of two B players and a C player. Because she's an A player, right? And and it's allowed her to increase her income because she's now freed up to do things that are income generating. But she couldn't see that before she had that awareness. All she could see was where she was right then and the circumstances and situations she was in in that moment. But as soon as we got her to step outside of it and actually look at, no, wait a second, this can't be true. Well, a because the law of polarity, right? You can't you can't want this person and then not have them there. It's just not possible, right? Right. No up without a down. No left without a right.
1: Law polarity.
0: No solution without no problem without a solution. Right. And no solution without a problem. Right. right? So getting her to to co- completely reframe, and we did this with another. I mean, we did this with Megan, who ha- we've used as a case study before, right? Where she was just like, "I can't, I can't afford to hire, and I, you know, what if what if I bring these people in? What if I bring this person in, and they know that I don't know what I'm doing? They're gonna leave, and you know, I'm not." I don't feel good enough to be supported. When we got her to step outside of the problem and look at what the truth was, she hired multiple people and her business grew. Yeah. So it's, it's this interesting thing where, you know, going back to the fishing story, it, any one of those challenge points, Bailey could have made the problem about who she is as a person, yes. right? And given completely up. Right. Totally given up on her dream of catching a fish. But for whatever reason, she kept going, right? Because she, she wanted to catch media that fish. She
1: at the time, that's why. She
0: didn't have social media. <laughs> And if you talk to any successful, on t- any successful business owner, they'll tell you about how relentless they needed to be about achieving what they want because they needed to grow, they needed to mature, they needed to experience the adversity that was going to cause them to grow and learn mm-hmm. to become the person that they needed to be to have the business that they wanted to have. So I love that exercise of separating out, like this is you on this piece of paper, this is the problem, and this is the meaning that you're giving the problem. Right. But what really is the problem?
1: That's exactly correct. What really is the problem? Um, everything, so so here's the, this is the thing, and and this is the reason why I came up with that three-card idea, because I, I recognized all the years that I've been helping people with this just verbally trying to explain it to them, there's a stuck point in their mind. I don't think that they can separate it just intellectually. They, they need to see something different because we're operating with multiple senses here, not just right. the, the intellect. But the, if, you, if you take a horizontal line and you draw out that idea of the law of polarity, right smack in the middle of that line, everything just is. It has no meaning other than the meaning that we give it. Right. So if I've got a problem, First of all, the very first thing that I'm doing is calling it a problem. Then I am giving a very detailed description of of what this problem is in my life. But the truth is it just is, right? Even if you hire somebody and it's not a good employee, the the employee just is, right? They're neither good or bad until you relate them to something different, right? And but, but what's unfortunate is that's how they are actually hiring the person. They're hiring based on the relatability of what they think they can or cannot do. And then they go out and look for the equivalent of that. So it's not about the best person I can find, it's the cheapest person I can find. And then there's another one. And and, and you've seen this a million times when the owner can cannot let somebody else be the smartest person in the room. Yes. It is an enormous issue, right? I get the ego part. I get how it feels good to be in charge and be the, but if you can't have people that are smarter than you in different areas, you're fucked. Because your company's never going to grow beyond what you don't know. And you can't know everything. And you, you only have one lifetime. You can't master every damn skill set. So the the whole idea about Any kind of success requires leverage. But if you can't let go internally, right? If you've got to be the smartest person in the room, then you will look at somebody who's smarter than you and you won't hire them because you'll be insecure about what they will actually come in and do in the company. So again, you're hiring based on the meaning that you're giving to this issue.
0: Yeah. Well, and you also want to hire them because you're afraid of what they're going to think of you. Yes. Right. You've got a self esteem issue. Well, that's the meaning. That's the meaning. Yes. (laughs)
1: <laughs> and, and we're back and we're back
0: <laughs> and we're back that's the
1: meaning and then to, to the, how you started this podcast off what did they do then they hope things will get better <laughs> yes
0: I hope things will get better without actually changing the things right. that will make it better without actually asking the right question or a different question that's right like what do I need to learn who do I need to learn from yeah to, to, to solve this thing or to get a different result yep instead they make it mean something about them so
1: I think a good sign is that if you're dealing with this problem more than once, you're looking at it the wrong way.
0: Oh, gosh.
1: Because if you're dealing with it more than once, you're replicating whatever it is you're doing. You're not actually changing anything. So if you identify a problem and you still have the same problem, you're changing the wrong thing. I mean, that's evidence right there. You're changing... You're you're changing it. You're duplicating it. There's so there's something that you're not being doing, having, seeing, letting go of, observing um, that keeps you keep repeating it over and over again. And and I think every human being is is does that to some degree. I know I do it with things. Yeah, yeah. We too. all do it with things. Yeah. Right. Because okay. we're not dealing with the actual thing that's causing the problem. We're dealing, we're trying to, ch- we're trying to get the problem to change. We want that team member to perform better, right? We want our spouse to do whatever better, yes. right? We always want the th- problem to change, but we don't want to change and we're the one that created the problem.
0: Yeah. You, that's evidence when someone says, when is this going to be over? When is this going to be done? When oh is God. this going to stop? <laughs> right. right? Yeah. Like that's, that's the hope. Yep. That's the hope addict.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: Rather than what do I need to do or what do I need to let go of or what do I need to become or what do I need to say to get this to stop, right? to make this stop.
1: That's the maturity part.
0: Yes, that's the maturity part. And that's, that's I mean, it's, it's a vein in every business, right? Like that emotional, well, emotional and entrepreneurial maturity to take a look at what's going on in a business. Because let's be honest, like businesses are a minefield of adversity, like it, it's never a calm sea. Yeah. Or if it's a calm sea, it's a calm sea for a little while, and then the weather changes. Like yeah. it just, it's never, it never stays the same. You're either growing or you're dying, right? right?
1: And that's the genius of the Leland Van Vanderwall quote,
0: which is,
1: <laughs> which is, just get you, this a little.
0: If you don't, if you don't say it right, I'm, I'll, I'll jump in and, and okay, it's in my brain right now. So, uh,
1: our success is the equivalent of our ability to see the truth within ourselves without running away. Yeah. And that has a different meaning every time you grow. Yes. I think. And that's been my experience. Yes.
0: It's why it's on our wall in our, in our VIP it, boardroom. It is. We make all of our clients sit across from it. And when stare they're at it When they're day. in our boardroom. <laughs> and they stare at it for like four hours. And we're just like, we look back sometimes. And we're like, yep, we know. <laughs> <laughs> but your growth is equivalent to what you're going to, what you'll be able to see about yourself.
1: For sure. That's right. The magical thing about it like if or i could even change it like the fun thing about it is that these problems change so fast and so in such amazing ways as soon as you're able to admit that you're the one that's actually creating the problem and see how you're doing it so that you can consciously make a change it's extraordinary how fast it changes it still it still blows my mind today when we watch our clients do this over and over and over again they'll go from wanting to be like i want out of this business i don't ever want to do this again and, uh, and they're and then a week later they're like holy shit how the hell is this even yes. possible that they're experiencing such a radical change
0: yeah they they go from wanting to burn the whole freaking thing down whole thing. to a place of yeah. they, they never even thought it was po- it's kind of like the um the u-squared uh, uh price pritchett the u-squared um I'm losing my the words. The book. Book, book. U Squared by Price Pritchett. Right. There is weeks. a there is a segment in there about a fly, yeah. <laughs> right? And the segment is about the fly killing itself, like ramming itself up against a glass when all it needs to do is move over a few inches and fly out the door. Right. Right? It's the same thing. It's like some people f- struggle with the same problem for so long that they don't realize if they were just to take a step back and separate theirsel- themselves from it, they may see a different way.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and Pritchett points out in that book, well, it's the story that he tells in the front of the book, Mm -hmm. that it was an observation that he was having it sitting in a cabin in the middle of summer and he was watching this fly do the same thing over and over again. And if just a couple feet away is an open door that the fly can fly out, but it won't let go of its strategy. And he knows that that fly is going to die on the windowsill because it's so stuck in the strategy. And he then relates it to people doing the exact same damn thing.
0: I think probably everyone listening to this podcast can relate to that in some yeah, way, shape, or form. sure. Or you're just like, if I just try harder, if I just try harder, and it still doesn't, you feel like that fly. Right. Consistently ramming your head up against the, the, right. the, the window, the glass.
1: Well, how many of us were really raised with breakthrough strategies, right? Like mine, mine was, if you're Why? not getting the result, try harder right? Yeah. That was the, that was the strategy. <laughs> it was try harder. Yes. Right. And push harder, push, try
0: harder. Yes. Work yeah. harder. You're not
1: working hard enough. If you wanted yeah. it bad enough, you would work hard enough right. to get it, you know, and it's like, that has a merit of its own, but not in problem solving. It, that's not the problem. I mean, it could be the problem if you're not doing anything, if you're sitting on the couch and eat, eating Cheetos, that's, you know, maybe that is the problem. Yeah. But when you're actually working and trying to figure out a problem, doubling down on how hard you're working on it is not the strategy, but that's an unconscious trap that many people fall into, especially c- people coming from working class communities because that's the whole way that they view everything in their life is to try harder.
2: Well,
0: that's, I mean, that's, that was your MO. Just get enough overtime. Yep. Just keep getting overtime. That was it. Keep doing what you're doing, but that just, was it. just get overtime. And that's what
1: my family told me. My uncle little, literally told me, stay at the place that gives you the most overtime instead of making a shift to a place where I could actually get ahead based on where I was stuck, stay in the place that gives you the most overtime. Yeah. That was his strategy, staying in in the company that he worked for his whole life.
0: And hope things change.
1: <laughs> and hope things change. I think for first sure. and
2: foremost, we should leave Cheetos out of this, first of all. Let's not beg our big fan I think of David's Cheetos. been going through the lunch bags in the, in the staff office. you He knows I got Cheetos in there. I also wanted to ask you guys a question because I love this concept of entrepreneurial immaturity. I've never heard it been phrased like that before, and I find that fascinating. So since you guys are both experts in this area, meaning that you bet on yourself, you started your own businesses, you went out and, and figured out a way to do this, um, when, uh, what are some things that a person should be looking for when they answer the question, am I mature enough to run my own business? Like so, what are you looking for by so way of an answer then?
0: Okay, so that's not the question they should be asking. Right. Right. Okay. right? So you don't have to like you, you can't there's no like benchmark of when you're mature enough to to no. start a business. You can start a business as a child and grow, grow your entrepreneur entrepreneurial maturity. The idea behind a mature entrepreneur is they don't have those those roller coaster tendencies. So right. they're not they don't get really 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 high and they don't get really 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 low they're consistent they're level they're they they stay like they're steady right whereas even keel they're even keel whereas an immature entrepreneur will read into things and see things that actually aren't true, which will create the high highs and then the really really deep lows where they want to like I said burn everything down right right they're right. either like on top of the world because they just had their best month or they're they're thinking about like selling everything and moving to Mexico and living in a small village, you know, selling right. fish, right? Like going back to the simple times. That's, a, that's a, 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 an <laughs> immature entrepreneur. Right.
1: A mature yeah. thought would be, I understand that the outcome that I want in my business is equivalent to my own personal growth. If I understand that, I will ask questions in the right direction when I hit a stumbling block. And I will also have the ability to ask for help. Yes. If if I need it. I won't internalize it. I won't exaggerate it. I won't fly off the handle and start yelling and screaming at people. I'll understand exactly where the problem is and work a solution from yeah. there.
0: It's actually amazing because I think, you know, there's the stigma that if you're a really successful business owner, you you you've you figure things out yourself. Right. Right. But I'm in this group of really, really successful business owners. I mean, I'm, I'm a small fish, like we're the small fish in that group, right? There, there are billion dollar business owners in this group. And the one thing that everyone does is ask questions. Hey, what are you doing for this? Hey, I'm looking for someone who's really good in this area. Hey, has anyone tried this specific thing? Hey, does anyone have a referral for this, this, and this? Like, it is one of the most active groups I've ever been in. And it's also the most successful group that I've had the privilege of being a part of. And everyone's sharing knowledge. Everyone's learning from each other. Everyone's leveraging everyone else's experience. They'll share, like, they'll readily share the stuff that doesn't work for them. And they'll readily share the stuff that does work for them so that they can, like, they can leverage everyone else and everybody does well, right? Yeah. Like, there is, it's, it's emotionally immature to think that a successful business, a business owner knows it all and has all the answers and has to be the smartest person in the room. These people that I'm in this group with know that they are not, they they don't have any desire to be the smartest person in the room, right? They're just specifically focused on solving the individual things, like dealing with the individual things that are going to raise their, their company up.
1: Absolutely. That's maturity.
0: That's maturity. All right, thanks, David. Yeah, you bet. Hey, everyone! Thanks for listening into this episode of the Successful Mind Podcast, where David and I talked about entrepreneurial maturity and how hope is not a strategy. We also talked about how being relentless is key into growing your business. So if you've got a story of when you've been relentless to achieving something, kind of like how Bailey, my daughter, was relentless in catching that first trout, we would love to hear it.
2: Thanks for listening to the Successful Mind Podcast. If you like what you've heard and you want to know more, go to davidnagel.com forward slash free stuff.